You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. everybody and welcome to the Health Hub. I am Kathy Biasse and along with our producer we'd like to say hello to you. Just before we get started with our program, we'd like to remind you that volunteers are available to take your pledges. To make your contribution to the Worldwide Mariathon in support of new and developing radio stations, please call 416-245-7117. In Montreal, call 514 514- Seven two eight one one zero zero, and don't forget you can also donate online at www.radiomaria.ca. That's www.radiomaria.ca. Good morning, Alex. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you very much, Kathy. I'm I'm excellent. Thanks. Awesome. Did you have a good long weekend? Yes, I did. I found it very relaxing for sure. That's good. The weather was okay. Not not great one day, but it was good the other days. Mm-hmm, that's very true. A holiday is a welcome time off of work, so it doesn't matter what the what the weather's like. If it's a day off of work, it's a fun day. Exactly. What did you do? Uh, I just I literally just stayed at home, relaxed, and actually took care of myself for a bit. I oh, actually good. did some exercise for for a change. Oh, so way to go, Alex! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Staycation is the new vacation, and we uh, we did the same thing. We got our backyard summer ready, and I'm really excited about my backyard this year. We don't have a lot of sunshine, so we can't plant very much. So I've got mm-hmm. this new gizmo, and uh, it's called a garden tower, and you can plant. It's a it's a vertical thing, and you can plant up to fifty plants in it. So finally, well, hopefully, we're going to be getting some of our own produce. So it it was really a lot of fun. Got it's, some it's fence work a, done. It's always an exciting time when you go and invest in, in planting. I think it's just that uh, that moment you, where you see things growing. It's, uh, it's a re- rewarding feeling. I think it's true, and I'm a little psychotic because I actually go out and I talk to them. You know, I. I I don't know why. Just come on. You can grow. I know we're going to get some good stuff this year. I can just feel it. So really, it was a lot of fun. And we did some barbecuing and uh, went some walks and watched a movie. So it was a lot of fun. We had no kids in the house, which was very, very bizarre for us this year. Um, it's We have four kids. So when, when the house is uh, without kids, it's a very, it's, very it's quiet very notice- place. It's very noticeable. It's a it? very noticeable. <laughs> it's a very loud by the quiet, actually. <laughs> So I today's show is is going to be uh, is going to be great. It's something that I think would benefit you, Alex. Mm-hmm. I know you have some allergies, so forth. And whenever I find a product that is great for gut health, I like to to bring it to everybody's attention. And the the product that I found is a sourdough pasta. And we're going to get into this. I've recommended it to a lot of my friends, and people have responded very well to it. And the benefit is B12 
because it's a, a fermented pasta, it's it's great for the gut. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is that it tastes like regular pasta. And my husband, and therefore my children, I'm the only non-Italian in the house, are very particular about the pasta that they eat. And I've tried to introduce different ones, like there are certain bean pastas, which are actually quite expensive. And then, you know, I've tried a lot. Mm-hmm. Most have failed. Yeah. Anything that has any particular color is, just, you know, before they even taste it, they don't like it. Yeah. So I decided to go a different way and I got some of this uh, sourdough pasta and I cooked it without saying a word. And I think the biggest success was the fact that nobody said anything about it. <laughs> they didn't say it was great dinner or anything like that, but they said that, uh, you know, they didn't say anything about it. So it was a success. So we are going to, I'm going to give you a little bio about Silvio Latrari. He's the owner of Caslow Sourdough. Silvio was born and raised in Bavaria, Germany, and immigrated to Canada with his family in his early teens. Upon settling in the small town of Caslow, B.C. with his wife, Gabby, he found that he missed his hearty sourdough breads he used, uh, used to get from Germany. So he started baking his sourdough breads out of a small stone brick oven and during, the, during the summer of 1991. Demand for his naturally fermented breads increased over his first two summers. He and Gabby expanded to make a year-round bakery, and this is how Caslow's Sourdough Bakery began. Due to over two decades of positive feedback and steadfast support from customers, as well as extensive research into the positive benefits of naturally fermented foods, Caslow's Sourdough recently expanded into the novel product of sourdough pasta. Today, he and his three children, Stefan, Heike, and Heidi, also are a part of the family business. They have expanded their business to sell sourdough pasta at health food stores and grocery stores across Western Canada. And when we come back, you will be introduced to Silvio Latrari.
Are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. If you'd like to join in the show today, our number is 416-245-1534. You can also tweet at us at Radio Maria Can or at Twitter, uh, my personal Twitter account, at Kathy underscore Biasi. So as I said, we have Silvio Latrari. Uh, with us today. Welcome to the show, Silvio. Hello, Kathy. How are you? Very good. That's great. That's great. So I gave everybody an introduction, um, and I, I'm not sure if you could hear the, the beginning of the show, but I introduced your pasta to my Italian family, and I think the biggest compliment was they had no idea that I had done it. I had tried other different pastas and nothing worked. So before we get into your great products, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and, and what you've done over the last few years, coming to Canada, the whole, the whole bit. Well, uh, as, I, as your introduction already said, uh, I came from Europe, and I noticed right away that I was missing one thing, and that was uh, my bread that I used to eat when I was uh, young. Uh, <clears throat> in Bavaria, in our small town, we had several bakeries, and each one had different nuances, you can say, that the, the, t- the bread tasted a little different. And so every household kind of preferred one baker or another over the other. Uh, <clears throat> that signifies also that uh, sourdough is actually, or sourdough bread that's made with a natural fermentation, uh, varies quite a bit in flavor profiles, naturally, because every baker has a different way of doing things and uh, different circumstances, uh, the microbes uh, are just different. Mm -hmm. It naturally, if you understand that in every breath you take, uh, microbes are everywhere. Maybe uh, we should step back, actually, because I think, um, you know, I'm... I'm not 100% sure what you're meaning by sourdough. So maybe people that are listening, maybe if you could give us like the ABCs of what sourdough actually is. Okay. So sourdough, as it's probably um, the industry, the baking industry looks a little different because they like to control baking, blah, blah, blah. But sourdough in its essence is made up really of wild yeast, uh, bacteria, and I like to say, which is very important, it has uh, enzymes. And enzymes are catalysts that make things happen. And uh, they speed up things. And without enzymes, nothing really happens much, neither. So you actually have these three different uh, microorganisms, you can say. Or the enzymes is actually, you can say, uh, in between. But it definitely makes things happen. 
So uh, bacteria and wild yeast is sourdough. And enzymes is the catalyst that makes things really happen in a sourdough culture. Okay, so, you know, we've got this whole gluten-free trend going on. Have you... my understanding is that eating the sourdough, sourdough bread, and when we get into it, your sourdough pasta is a little easier on the digestive system. Could someone who is gluten sensitive eat your product? Well, I think, uh, as I, if you look at the yeast makes bubbles in bread, mainly, and it does have a flavor profile, but actually the bacteria is more important for making organic acids. But the bacteria actually digest the proteins in wheat or cereal crops. And the yeast likes carbohydrates. So when you neglect having bacteria in your bread, in, in, in modern bread, it's only yeast fermented. It's not with bacteria. So the proteins in flour, which makes up about 20%, uh, which makes actually wheat an ideal food for us because the carbohydrate-protein balance. Uh, the proteins are not really, you can say, uh, what the bacteria does because it likes to digest and grow itself. It rips apart protein molecules, which are very complex, and that's your gluten in the flour, uh, or it becomes your gluten in the flour from these proteins. So... What the bacteria does in the natural fermentation in the sourdough, it starts the digestion of these protein molecules, and which naturally helps when you get it to, to, at your stage, when you eat them, uh, these protein molecules will already be starting to disintegrate, let's say, being plucked apart. It's, they're not going to be in a lump like when you have gluten, when you have raw gluten in flour, you can mix that. It's like a, a, a gum. That's where the gluten is like gum. It's hard to digest. And when you start from scratch in your intestines, it's just a rubber ball. And that's really hard to digest. And your intestines, even though you have, if you have compromised somehow, your digestive system in your gut through antibiotics and stuff like that, you will have a real problem digesting now all of a sudden wheat because the gluten has not been compromised in any which way by bacterial fermentation prior to you eating it. Okay, okay, so then is, let's go backwards then, is, is sourdough good for your gut? Definitely. Uh, if you go in the history of sourdough, uh, sourdough bread was with us till 1900, 1920, it depends. There was a significant change. Uh, our, in, the, in the mid-1850s, uh, through Louis Pasteur, which started microbiology, we isolated uh, yeast uh, strains. And by about 1900, a little bit before that maybe, the beer brewing took a huge change and controlled brewing. There was no more bad batches. And because they could now isolate one strain, and all these beers nowadays are really micro-brewed to certain strains, and there's no more bad batches or no, no, nothing. It's not wild, actually, anymore like mm-hmm. it used to be. And that's the same thing for what happened in the bread industry. We isolated some really good strains that produce yeast strains that produce uh, a lot of carbon dioxide in the, in the dough. And that's our baker's yeast nowadays. 
and it was much more much more comfortable for a baker. They didn't have to worry about so much their sourdough and how they promote that to get their bread leavened. They just dumped yeast in, and later on, in the fifties, after the Second World War, you can say the machinery was here for large scale bakeries. And they didn't like any off uh, fermentations at all, so uh, they avoided through heat treatment sometimes any other bacteria or fermentation. So you had the flour and modern day flour that comes out of these roller mills that were also invented around 1900. Uh, it creates a lot of heat and friction and it kills enzymes as well as bacteria in the process. So you have a flour that's actually relatively sterile. So, and, and that's what the controlled baking, modern baking, they love that. They start out from scratch with zero, nothing. They don't want anything off ferment because the bread is supposed to come out 100% like in our days, the square loaves you get. And they dump the, their one strain yeast in it and have it rise. And they have controlled baking. Okay. And that you, you kind of where the problem starts. So then your loaves of bread are, they're going to be different every time. Is that what I'm getting from how you do your baking? <laughs> uh, no, that was, uh, the challenge is that, that that doesn't happen to you. And that's because you have your sourdough culture. So as a baker, as a sourdough baker, uh, you can start your culture from scratch initially if you want to, but later on you will always have you will always retain a starter culture. And the way you process and work with that culture will determine your outcome of how your flavors come out and how your loaf looks. I tried making starters several times to no avail. I'm obviously not a baker. But are there different, do you use different <laughs> grains with your sourdough? Are you particular to a, a one type of grain or does one work better than the other for sourdough? Actually, uh, I find that uh, no, I can use just about just about any grain as a cereal crop for the bread. Uh, what I did uh, because I was thinking about this question here a little bit, why maybe you have a problem. But when you start uh, a culture from nothing, from from just uh, water and some flour, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you have to think of uh, it's like a little you're creating a little city in here, right? And it's the Wild West show at the beginning, right? There's good and bad, right? And uh, so it can go the other way if you have too many bad ones and the good ones don't. You don't get your police force in line, right? Like the lactic acid is kind of the police in the sourdough culture, really, in your starter. It acts as a police force, and it'll keep the bad. That's just like in your gut, actually. It, it's very similar in your gut. You have to have lactic acid in your uh, gut to keep all the other bad ones, because you always introduce, they're always coming in. Right. But the lactic acid will keep a certain pH and in your gut that will discourage bad growth, hopefully. When and I tried, uh, when I thought my sourdough starter was ready, I made a loaf of bread and, and literally it was like a brick. So I just, uh, I gave up. So I just buy it now. I try and do my best. And actually where I get, uh, I get a sourdough loaf um, once a week delivered to me. And it, I have it, it comes in a plastic bag. 
And if I don't take it out of the plastic bag, it continually condense, like water forms within that plastic bag. And I'm assuming maybe, is this the fermentation still going on? Uh, not so much the fermentation, but it's just evaporation of uh, the water that's actually was when you made the dough and when you cooked it. And when, especially when it's warm, you should never expose the bread in a bag. I always say open it and let it breathe a little bit. I think sourdough is uh, probably a, a little more susceptible in one way uh, to because I don't put any preservatives in it. And I let the lactic acid again actually is what makes the pH in the bread preserves it naturally. But there's a limit to, especially in the spring, you have molds spores flying around like crazy. They're all active big time. And it's like an algae bloom, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, after watching it here a bit, you can get spoilage earlier if you if you keep it, especially in a cl- enclosed plastic bag. So, how many loaves of bread would you make a week? Would you say? Ooh, two, three thousand, maybe. Two or three thousand. And this is yeah. all all sold locally at your bakery. I'm assuming you can't really ship it too far no, I away. You, I tell you, actually, I uh, don't have a retail outlet myself. I've always uh, exported it and had everybody else sell it for me. Within Caslow? Caslow is a pretty small town. It's only a good thousand people. In the summer, it's maybe two and a half, three, or even five around the area. But uh, I export mostly to Nelson, British Columbia, and the area. I have about a 200-kilometer uh, uh, diameter, probably. And how long would you say a loaf of bread would last uh, a week? Is that too long? Because I know you said that you have put no artificial, I uh, would artificial preservatives in it. Uh, it's actually uh, six days is not a problem. You can even keep it longer if you watch it a little bit. Uh, I, I put usually best before six days, and uh, I usually don't have a problem. It's only in the spring a little bit, once in a while. If if uh, if somebody throws the bread in the in the car, it fogs up pretty quick, mm-hmm. in the, and that'll promote uh, mold growth. Okay. Sure. Now the the one thing that um, you know is very distinct about sourdough is the actual sour taste. And just before we go to break, I know that that was one one of the questions when I was talking about your show with somebody. They said, "What gives it the sour taste?" So maybe. You could spend a, a minute or so going over how the bread, when what fermentation is happening, and how that sour, that distinct sour taste comes into the to the loaves of bread. Well, the the, the flavor of the bread is made by by the yeast and by the bacteria, and uh, depending on uh, what what strains you have and the way you actually uh, make your bread and let it proof for how long, that all has effects on your flavor. Uh, the flavor will, if, if you let it proof longer or if you punch it down more times than just uh, once or twice, it, the, the flavor will become more stronger and depending on the strain too. But like San Francisco strain, which is a, is a yeast strain, uh, which was perfected in San Francisco, uh, it's a specific type and they like to use that commercial and sometimes they just... Uh, Actually, sometimes I've seen they just put vinegar in bread, but that's that's not sourdough bread. <laughs> oh, so so you can get sourdough bread that's quite sour in flavor, and you can get sourdough yeah. bread that's more moderate, depending yeah. upon how you make it and 
and the flour and so forth. Is that correct? It's very correct. In, oh, okay. in Europe, uh, the breads are mostly uh, mildly flavored. Uh, the San Francisco is, is a very unique area, and that they, they came up with that very sour-tasting uh, bread. North America was kind of the sourdough new movement was a little focused on that more. And I have to I say that that's, that's my favorite. I really like the sour, the sour flavor yeah. and the sourdough. That's what drew me to it. We're going to take a short uh, break here, Silvio, a uh, music break, and we'll be back to talk to you more about the, the pasta, which is, which is such a, a great, great find for me. Um, and uh, after the music break, we have an important announcement uh, coming up. So we will talk to you in a few minutes. Enjoy the break. obsession with the things this world says make us happy can't see the slaves we are in all the searching or the grasping like we deserve much more than all these blessings we're
Christ in me. Good day, listeners. Welcome to Marathon Week, which ends on May 27th. This is a time where we unite with other Radio Maria stations around the world who need our support. To pledge your support, please visit our website at www.radiomaria.ca or call us here at our office in Toronto at 416-245-7117 or our Montreal office at 514-728-1100. Thank you for supporting Our Lady's Mission of Evangelization. You're listening to Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice, wherever you are. You are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice, wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody, to the Health Hub on Radio Maria Canada. We're talking with Silvio Latrari. Silvio, um, I had a couple of people tweet in some questions, so if you don't mind, I'm just going to ask you them. Um, Someone asked if you had a simple, simple recipe for making a starter for sourdough. Is that something that simple? Uh, it's it's not it's not simple. Simple. Uh, you have to have a bit of a feeling for microbes and uh, how it works. You have to give it um, a certain temperature. There's a lot of different circumstances that'll influence. Uh, try it. And you will notice right away if you have a hand for this or not, okay. if it works out for you or not. So what are you looking for? You know, so, uh, for instance, I'll Google something, and it's going to yeah. tell me how to do it. What am I looking for to, yeah. to say that I've had some success? Well, the, the most definite, is it has to have a nice flavor aroma. If it has an off uh, flavor after, or just the smell. So you take a bowl, not a metal one glass or, or, or pottery, actually, and you have your, use flour that's uh, stone ground. Okay. I, I would definitely prefer that, so that's not heat uh, treated through the uh, roller mills. And then you have already something in there that's maybe possibly uh, that you need, that you want the microorganisms. And then you have in the air, and they hopefully, and then you cover it lightly with a, a, a towel, let's say, and uh, you add the water, make it a relatively thin batter, not, not too thin, and let it sit in a warm place and without too much disturbance, not drafty maybe, and check and stir it maybe once a day. And after three days, you should definitely have some kind of look, looks like bubbles. That's the first yeast that's making uh, uh, bubbles already, and that's a good sign. Okay. And uh, then smell, like you can just, if what kind of smell comes off the, the, the batter, and it should have a nice flavor aroma. You, it won't be sour, sour. It will be just 
a nice uh, aroma flavor. And that it should, once that starts in already, when that, that first whiff of, uh, oh, oh, it smells good, that's really, that's your biggest indication that you're on the right track for sure. Okay, and I read somewhere too that using your hands to uh, mix the dough, you're introducing your own bacteria, so to speak, is a good thing. Is that true? Yes, uh, we stir bacteria usually with our bare hands, and uh, we just wash them off. We rinse them off first in, in, in cold. I have a little advantage because I have spring water, my own source. Mm. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> but uh, chlorination is, if you have a stable culture, chlorine doesn't hamper it so much, but you can have, because city waters are chlorinated, it's not... Uh, good for you. Okay. But uh, if it's a stable culture, you should actually try to get some spring water initially to start your culture. Okay. And the other question you can just uh, answer very quickly is, how is it working with your children? Great. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> they're all in the mid to late 20s now. So we got the, you know, the puberty stuff is all kind of, and they kind of all found themselves to a certain degree now. And, uh, and then you can work better together now with a, you know, family, dad to kids. So it's it's coming around really well. Good. Well, I've had a chance to communicate with Heidi, and she is she's very spot on. She's very efficient. I'm not sure what her role is within the the business, but my communication with her was was outstanding. She seems like a very a very good person. So let's get into the pasta because that's really um, that's really where the second half of the show was going. How did you get started into making sourdough pasta, and and how labor intensive is it for you? Uh, the first uh, product that came out finally was four years ago, about, but there was about uh, one and a half, two years prior, where the idea came. The thing is that uh, it comes out of the idea came out of uh, for me that uh, we, my philosophy is uh, wheat. We cannot lose wheat as a, a food for us, for humankind. Uh, wheat plays a central role. We cannot replace these mountains of wheats uh, that we grow uh, with any other real crop that uh, would probably nourish us to the same effect. So I wanted, and pasta is actually the other big food item that is made from uh, wheat. And uh, I wanted to see if I can somehow apply my sourdough technology to making sourdough pasta. And that's where the origin comes from. Uh, naturally, it was, uh, I thought about it for quite a while. And then I, I do have these spurs where I really have deep thinking, which is usually in the morning at between uh, 3 and 5 o'clock. <laughs> mm-hmm. I lay in bed, things go through my head. And at one time I said, now I got it. Now I can know how, how I can apply it. And that's just because I have this relative deep knowledge of how sourdough functions and the history and how this all works. And I kind of always think of microbes. These are my best friends. And whenever I put my hand in my bucket and stir it around, these are all my, my friends in there, right? Mm-hmm. They're the good guys that I want to promote growing. And uh, that's how I look at sourdough. And that's a good way of the positive thinking. And if you're understanding that these are all buddies of yours that help you make a good product. And we have them in our gut. And, uh, 
when I 25 years ago when I started uh, the it wasn't known so much uh, we wanted to kill everything really in our gut more than anything we we're sterilizing ourselves and now it's completely changed and it verifies what my thoughts were all along well weed has taken a hard hit in the industry especially in the nutritional industry and and you've got really two hugely divided camps very exactly. much. And people people who, who don't like wheat go to a really detailed scenario of why they don't like wheat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, but the facts are that wheat was nourished us for 10,000 years, and we didn't have a problem, really. Uh, these problems surfaced, and now they got even blown, even much more mushroom now. And I say... It's, there's two factors as far as I'm concerned. We changed how we make bread from natural fermentation, sourdough fermentation, around, you know, it, it really started to pecker out in, in 1920s to 40s. And then we went into the mass production of this modern bread. And then uh, antibiotics, uh, the introduction of antibiotics after the Second World War. These are two combining factors that contribute, I think, 90% to what the problem is with wheat nowadays. With wheat nowadays. Sylvia, there's someone on the line that would like to ask you a question. Can you hold on a second? Sure. Do you have him there, Alex? Hello. Hi there. Hi. Hello. How are you? Good. That's good. Uh, it's Dominic from Mississauga. I'm just calling. Um, I've always been a huge pasta uh, eater, uh, Italian background. And some of the stuff that's come out with the the different rices and and uh, the different ingredients that go into some of the new pastas, just for me, haven't been the same. Um, I really enjoy my pasta, but I have to tell you, I've tried the sourdough, and I'm really enjoying it. Thank you. Did, I, are you able to hear that, Silvio? Yes, I get that a lot. And it was already, that's what kept me going with my bread. I had so many people say, I can eat your bread, I can't eat any other store-bought bread anymore. And mm-hmm. uh, that's what started me to really start looking into what, what's driving here, what's the sourdough, what's this all about. And my search for these answers uh, has been for the last 25 years. My benefit was that I can read and write uh, German language, and there is a definite difference between books that are dated around 1900, exactly when the change was over from a natural fermentation sourdough baking process to this modern, just yeast, the Fleischmann yeast. Mm -hmm. And history in North America is because the roller mills were invented actually in North America that would separate the flour and make it really fine ground. And then the white bread that goes back to Roman times because white bread signified uh, uh, the noble class, the upper class. And that's why white bread is so dominant in uh, North America. We had these huge wheat fields here. We had wheat, plenty of it. And they would grind it down, and the white bread would see, and everybody would feel kind of, oh, yeah, I'm, um, I'm kind of more the upper class, right? And uh, that's what the white bread in North America came about. Dominic, when you um, ate regular pasta, did you have any issues with it? Has the, have no, you noticed I, a difference? No. No, I, I mean, uh, I've been. I'm trying to get more on the health conscious, and I know what's going on with the wheat and this uh, GMO products and all that. So I'm trying to stay away from that. 
but uh, also the bread too. Like we have sourdough bread all the time now, and again, it's something like I love my bread, so it's something that I enjoy, and I know that it's it's a lot healthier for me. Um, but just going back to the pasta, like I, I, it was something that I was struggling with in terms of because I enjoy a wheat pasta. Um, and all the other ones just weren't tasting right. They were either too soft or too hard or too mushy or whatever. But we had the the sourdough pasta, and I've 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 really enjoyed it. Thank so you. thank you. Thank <laughs> you very much for calling, Dom. Thank you. Thanks, Sylvia. What do you think is your best? Um, now do you have you have different cuts, right? I know that you have two. Is there is there more than two? I've only I've only ordered two different cuts of pasta. Like, do you have spaghetti? Do you have? Yeah. Well, I have, uh, we kind of limited down to three or four now, uh, Rotini, Radiatori, and Spirali. But uh, I've actually experimented with some long pasta, and uh, so far I haven't been able to do it because uh, the gluten is compromised, mm-hmm. and you need uncompromised gluten for spaghetti or long uh, pasta. I uh, did not know that at all. That's That's interesting to know. Well, that kind of uh, ramifies that uh, we're doing something. It's it's impacting the gluten structure of uh, in in the wheat when you process it, the bacteria. Has the response from your um, customer base been good? Great, actually, and we have constantly people phoning or texting or whatever in different that say I can eat your pasta, but. You know, regular pasta sits in my gut and doesn't like to digest. Mm-hmm. I feel lethargic afterwards. Your pasta, I can go out and, and, and play and it digests fine. So that's all uh, signs that uh, we are definitely on the right track here. Now, on your website, it says it's dairy-free, egg-free, vegan. Mm-hmm. How, how do you, I've made pasta before and I use an egg. So how do you get around the binding of that? Or is that a well, secret? Traditional, actually, uh, Italian pasta. You can make it with egg, but uh, it's uh, uh, with uh, the durum wheat. You can make pasta without uh, the egg for sure, and it's just water. And uh, that's the traditional pasta from hard wheat is uh, just water and flour. What other grains? Uh, what other grains do you use for your pasta? Well, we, we have a variety, and it works seems to work quite well, actually. Uh, gives you a little different flavor profile and naturally nutritional factor. Like we have a, a beautiful buckwheat. I, I, that's one of my favorite besides uh, the classic. Uh, we have, uh, we tried Kamut. We sell that somewhat. Uh, Amaranth is a real, it's a really earthy flavor. Uh, quinoa is it's pretty strong sometimes, I think, for my taste. But people that like that flavor, uh, and it's uh, it's a great pasta, and you get the nutritional benefits of uh, what's in quinoa in, in the different grain. That's just uh, wheat. Well, buckwheat and, and quinoa, correct me if I'm wrong, are gluten-free to start, are they mm-hmm. not? Yeah, they are. They, they, are. they have no gluten in it. But uh, they, to a certain percentage, you can add these. And uh, they bind together enough that uh, the pasta will not break apart. Okay, so let's get to uh, down to the cooking of the pasta. Does it cook like uh, you know the regular pasta, what I call regular pasta that you buy at the store? 
No, actually, it cooks faster, and that's uh, one problem initially, that it cooks uh, probably twice as fast. So if you have pasta that cooks in 10 minutes, this will cook in five. It, the elevation of where you are at is a little, uh, little bit of an influence where water boils and how quick uh, pasta softens. But generally, it's, it's half the time than other pasta. And you have to keep tasting it a little bit to your own liking because there's definitely people like it a little harder or al dente or they like it softer. So, But that's quickly found out. Okay. Uh, Sylvia, you have another question. Shannon from Richmond Hill is calling. Shannon, are you there? Hi. Hi, Shannon. I just wanted to say how much I love the sourdough pasta. Sorry, I didn't hear you, hon. I just wanted to say how much I love the sourdough pasta. Oh, that's great. How long have you been eating it? A few months. A few months now. Um, Do you notice any difference as far as flavor goes? Not with flavor, but uh, I always had a hard time eating regular pasta. It always hurt my stomach a bit, but not with the sourdough. That's great. Now you notice no difference in taste. So that that's that's what None. I was saying at the beginning of the show. I, I introduced it, and I think that was the biggest plus for the pasta is that it tasted like pasta that was eaten all the time at our house. Yeah, it doesn't taste any different. Oh, that's great. Sylvia, what do you think of that? Uh, it makes sense totally. I've, I've heard that plenty of times. The flavor is uh, depends now on what kind of sauce you're putting on. Mm-hmm. If you put lots of sauce and stuff, you will not see uh, taste any difference. But if you start putting on just a, a, fly, a light uh, oiling or uh, just a little bit of butter, melted butter, you will. I think you will taste uh, a flavor difference. Okay. Thank you, Shannon, very much. No problem. Bye. Bye-bye. No. All right, then. Thank you. Cooking um, pasta past el dante. I have always recommended that we don't do that because of the starch. Is that applicable to sourdough pasta or is that not even an issue? I, I like my pasta a little softer. Okay. Uh, I kind of, I think it's, uh, it's like uh, the bread needs to be baked to a certain, it has to bake properly. And so that's always a problem with sourdough. Uh, if you, it's denser. And if you don't, like, you need a stone hearth oven to bake sourdough bread. And that's a problem at home, too. They buy, they sell now these the stone uh, slabs for pizza, and that's what you should really bake your sourdough bread if you do it at home on. And preheat it, get that uh, stone really hot, and then put your bread on there, and it'll bake properly through. If you don't bake the bread properly through, uh, sourdough bread, it's it's actually not not that great uh, because it's it's harder on your gut. And that's the same now, with your pasta. I think it's personally my my kids. Uh, Heidi likes hers al dente. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I like mine just a, a minute longer, and it's cooked. It's 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 a bit softer, and I I think that's what's in my head. I'm thinking bread. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a psychological thing. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you eat a lot of pasta in Germany when you were growing up? Um, average, let's say. I, I wouldn't say overly. We made also spätzle. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that spätzle or whatever they call it sometimes in English. And it's it's an egg, fresh egg. Um, um, it's just water, and then you make your dough, and then you put a couple of eggs in, and you squeeze it, or you can, sh- uh, like with a knife, make little noodles like. 
that's uh, that was uh, customary where we where I came from. Pasta was because my ancestors came from northern Italy, uh, so I also have a bit of the genes in me for liking pasta. Mm -hmm. It's a huge, it's a huge staple in our house for sure. What's what's your best selling pasta? It is a classic for sure. Yeah, Uh, kids latch onto the the radiatory uh, shape quite a bit. Sometimes they say it's dinosaur or something, but it looks a little like a radiator. That's where the name comes from. But uh, yeah, kids love it, and uh, I think uh, uh, kids are usually not so predetermined. They let their they they taste better than grown sometimes. Mm-hmm. Grown up. There's no and mind involved in it. They just eat in taste. Yeah, they quickly and they they right away. Say, oh, that I was uh, I can relate a little story to you. I was in, uh, in in Italy two years ago, and to the factory that I got my machinery from to produce my pasta, and I took naturally sourdough pasta with me. <laughs> of course. <laughs> And the, the nephew there, he, he has a kid at home, and I gave him some packages. And his daughter right away, she ate it, and the best pasta. And I never eat anything else anymore in my life. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. So now the dad is ordering from you. <laughs> <laughs> Ship. Shipment, shipping to Italy, that's, that's great. <laughs> Canadian shipping to Italy with a German descent, that's, that's a story to tell. So, okay, now getting to actually how we get your pasta. Um, we're in Toronto, but we have listeners all over the place. So how do we get a hold of your, your delicious product? Well, there's a, a many, many, many health food stores now, and we have 120 to 150. I, guess, I don't know. I lose count now. Across Canada and the U.S.? or It's, it's all Western Canada for now. Okay. And uh, we do have a little isolated places in Ontario, but not much yet. But it's it, it will come. And, and but you, you have a website, order. correct? Yeah, you can directly order from us. Just uh, go on our website. It's uh, either pasta fermentada, which I coined it for being it's Italian for fermented pasta, which they don't actually know. <laughs> it, it doesn't exist until I came up with it more or less. <laughs> and uh, but you can also go under microsour.com which is my original website, which I started 20 years ago with the bread. I've been actually online for a long time, and I've written articles and on sourdough, anything related. It's a huge uh, resource for anybody that wants to know about sourdough. It's our bread uh, website, which is quite, you can spend days and days. Well, thank you for that. Um, So just to reiterate, so microsour.com? microsour.com and the website if you want to order some pasta is www.pasta p-a-s-t-a fermentada f-e-r-m-e-n-t-a-t-a dot com um, if you if you've missed that or you need to know again just you can just again shoot me a, a twitter at, at kathy underscore biase or you can email us at the health uh, thh at radiomaria.ca so silvio thank you so much i really appreciate you taking the time to be with us And before we end the show, I just have a quick little health tip surrounding pasta. And that's when you're cooking pasta, and Silvio, you can jump in here anytime, you have to have a pot that's large enough. Um, If you don't boil your pasta in a large pot with boiling water, when you add the pasta, the water temperature drops significantly. Um, And then when it returns to a boil, the pasta can get clumpy and mushy in the pot. 
So uh, this also, it creates a higher starch to water ratio, which we're generally not wanting to do. So when you're cooking your pasta, make sure you've got running boiling water. You can salt the water, but make sure the pot is, is big enough to house the pasta that you're putting in. Sound right, Silvio? Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with clumping or so. <laughs> some do. <laughs> yeah, some do. It's, you know, with these uh, modern different combinations with rice, there's a lot of, you know, mushiness and stuff like that. There but is. Ours, it's pretty... Yours is pretty pretty easy to work with, I do have to say. I, I use it all the time, like I said. So again, thank you so much, Silvio. We really appreciate you being with us. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, email us at, uh, at radiomaria.ca, at radiomariacans.ca, sorry, or myself at, at uh, Kathy underscore Biasse, or email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. So that's it for this week, everybody. Thank you for listening to us, and we'll see you next week on The Health Hub. been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.